Hey, everybody, welcome to the Blind Ambition podcast with Jack Kelly. It's Rick. And today, Jack and I, we have Danielle Panasami, who's the Director of People and Culture at OMA, a membership based network for mental health care providers. So Alma actually raised its $130 million Series D uh, this past August, furthering the company's mission to simplify access to high-quality, affordable mental health care, which is especially important through the times that we are in right now. Mm-hmm. Danielle joined Alma in early 2021 as the company's first HR hire and has built out an award-winning team from there that puts an emphasis on mental health first. Alma was named one of Inc.'s best workplaces and included in LinkedIn's top startups list in 2022. Uh, Before joining Alma, Danielle was the director of people and culture at Birchbox, where she started as a temp employee and worked her way up to director over her seven-year tenure there. Uh, So we are really lucky to have you. I, I want to kind of dig into that last bit there. Can you walk us through your career path, Danielle? How did you get into HR and people leadership? Definitely. Um, well, first of all, thank you for the intro. I feel like, could you intro me in every meeting? That would be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Right, that was good. Yeah, Available good. for hire. Just to put some music behind it. And, and exactly. Intro, man. Boy, yeah. that was great. Be my hype man. Um, <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm very excited to be here. Thank you both. So um, for me, I think my story has a little bit of a twist, but I'm whenever I say that, I'm like, everybody's New York story has a twist, right? Yeah. Because we all come here with this dream and this thing we think we're going to do. Um, but I actually graduated with uh, a BSN, so a bachelor's degree uh, in nursing in 2012 in Ohio. Um, and I moved to New York to start that nursing career. And I was like, I'm going to make it. It'll be okay, right? Like, doesn't matter if I don't know anybody because it's nursing and it's New York City. Um, I had an incredibly difficult time finding a job uh, as a nurse in a hospital at that time. Um, I didn't really have any connections, nothing really panned out. And so uh, through a connection, a friend through um, Birchbox, actually, I was introduced to their PR team and they needed temp help. Um, And they actually just truly needed somebody to come in and sort of like clean samples and kit boxes for their PR team, right? At that time, Birchbox was blowing up. People were sending them thousands of samples. Um, And so I thought, wow, I just kind of killed myself in this program for nursing. I am in New York. Am I, am I going to be a temp for a PR team? And listen, I needed the money. Um, And when you're broke, you cannot have an ego. So I was like, sure, (laughs) I'm about to roll up my sleeves. Uh, Didn't necessarily feel like I sort of belonged in that environment. It was this cool New York startup beauty scene, which I mean, that was not me. Um, But everybody was actually really great when I started. And so I just went in and decided, let me treat this as the most important job at Birchbox. I'm going to be the VP of cleaning samples and kidding boxes. I'm going to show up every day. I'm going to like keep my station clean. I'm going to let them know I'm available. And that's literally what I did. Uh, And then I think the director, it was the director of recruiting at the time. Melissa Enbar, incredible, phenomenal leader. She actually noticed and she said, hey, can you kind of help us at the front desk? Can you help us around the office? Hey, do you want to start some scheduling? Could you maybe look at some resumes? And that's how I got my in actually was through the recruiting side through Melissa. Um, And she offered me a role to be an associate basically at the end of 2012, beginning of 2013. Uh, And I kind of had to make a decision, right? Like, Am I going to not continue looking for a nursing job? Am I going to take this role on the people and culture team? And, you know, I like hummed and hawed and I talked to my family and I was like, I think I'm going to try this because this opportunity is unique Um, and it's not a path I thought I would ever get. Uh, And so I did. I came on full time and really started growing just the recruiting side of things. So became a full time recruiter, worked with tons of teams. Um, and really found that I, I liked the work, honestly. Uh, and then found as I was growing that really kind of my niche and skill set was around employee relations, having the hard conversations, 
breaking down those communication breakdowns that you often have, right? I started to really lean into those a little bit more and then started moving into more generally being on the people and culture team. So think about employee engagement, review processes, right? Employee relations was a big piece of what I did. And honestly, just kept growing from there. Um, Melissa kept giving me opportunities. I kept taking them. And, you know, fast forward after seven plus years, um, ended my time there as a director. Uh, and it was it was an incredible experience. Lots of highs, definitely some lows. Um, and I learned a lot and honestly battled with a lot of imposter syndrome, but eventually uh, kind of got there. And so, yeah, that's how I ended up. Uh, that was my journey through Birchbox and then how I ended up looking for a new job and then at Alma. That's amazing, Danielle. You know what I love about it when you first set, said you're going to take that job and you're just going to be the best you know, at even the lowest level role. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't do that. You know what I mean? They'll have this job and instead they'll quite quit. They'll act their wage. They'll just coast. But it sounds like, like you reframed, Hey, here's my job. Here's how I can make the most of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to run with it and I'm going to make people notice me. And when they notice me, they're going to see, I have a lot of skills and abilities and they're going to want to promote me and boom. That's exactly what happened. I mean, that's like fantastic career advice for anybody, like on the spec, you know, on any spectrum of what they do, that holds true. I love that. Yeah, thank you. I think I love, I actually love that you kind of summarized it that way because when I am, you know, out there and looking and I've grew with Birchbox, even Alma, when I started was around 60, we're now at 370 plus, right? Wow. The thing that you get, there is luck here, right? There is an opportunity and a timing piece. But the other side of that is your ability to put yourself out there and to work hard and to hustle. You don't need to kill yourself, right? But you do need to work hard. And that's really important. And I think when I see that, when I find that in candidates, especially for more junior roles where I know there is a career ahead of them, I want to hold on to that because that's unteachable, right? That is something that you have, and that is something that you come in with that is kind of unique to you. And if you have that, it is it is a great thing to hold on to and keep when you are looking to bring somebody onto your team. I'm so glad you said that because sometimes I feel like I'm the old man, like shaking his head, shaking our head, ah, you young kids today. But it's more like there's such a vibe if you online where, well, the boss did this, so I'm just gonna, you know just just to do the very least possible i'm not going to really work hard i'll show them and it's you see that on tiktok a lot and you see it on social media a lot. and i think these people are self-defeating themselves because the bosses are going to notice your coworkers are going to notice and who's going to want to work with you give you an important project give you a great assignment you know give you a great client a customer no because you're just you're not putting in any effort Mm -hmm. And it's it's a little frightening to me that there's so many people are adopting that kind of mindset of just 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 getting by and not caring. Right. And, uh, you know, there I, I often refer to this as like the swinging of the pendulum. Right. Yeah. So you can't not care, not want to do anything and be making all the money in the world and work very little. But also you shouldn't be killing yourself and your employer shouldn't be sitting there expecting you to work nights and weekends. There has to right. be balance, right? So you can hustle and you can work hard, but you shouldn't be destroying your mental health, right? You should be able to like step up a little bit or work a little bit harder, a little bit more, but also you should be able to have boundaries and balance. And that's where I think there is a lot of confusion for people today because people do just want to swing one way or the other because it's very definitive, right? Those are very definitive things. And that middle part, it's a little bit more ambiguous and gray. And you got to get comfortable with being a little uncomfortable in there. Well, this is a good lead into talking about mental health. So how, <laughs> I love nice layout for this. Like, so for your company, that's what you specialize. <laughs> so maybe you could share with us how you help people in these kind of circumstances. Like, how do you help them to avoid burnout? How do you help them with their mental health, their emotional well-being? What could companies, what do you advise companies to do to make sure that their employees are mentally healthy and checked in and not disengaged? Yeah. 
it's a big question and it is a, a big kind of like problem to try and solve or challenge to face, right? So for me, the way that I think about it when I'm like kind of talking to other companies or thinking about Alma itself is number one, are we even talking about it? We at Alma definitely are talking about it, just so you know. that is, There's no question about that. But are you opening up the dialogue and conversation with your employees, right? Are they able to talk to you about they're like what resources they need. Do they know what you have available? So first and foremost, survey your team, right? What are they thinking about? What's bothering them? Are they working late nights? Are they working weekends? Are they getting slacks at 2 a.m. that when they wake up in the morning, they instantly have panic? None of that should exist, right? But have the conversation and understand what's happening with your team first. Then take a look at what you can offer, what you have and what you can offer, excuse me. So think about, do I have support and resources for my team that is going through something? Do I have a decent paid time off policy, right? Do I have decent parental leave? Do I have the ability for our team to have additional resources, um, employee assistance programs, things like that? And if you do, phenomenal. Start talking about them, get your team engaged with them, make sure every new hire, open enrollment period, anytime you have a manager that's coming to you and saying, hey, my employees, like something might be going on, they're not fully performing, right? Have those conversations, open it up and offer those resources. And again, if you don't have those, right, you need to consider next time with open enrollment when you can engage and bring on additional partners that you do that, right? So I think that's a big piece. We also at Alma have additional stipends and additional mental health care that we provide our team, um, which I'm happy to talk about, would love to, but it, do you have any questions on that? I don't, I, I know I said a lot right there. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm actually curious because, you know, we see this often at Blind, right? Some of the users on Blind come from the largest companies with some of mm -hmm. the, like, you know, the most resources, some of them have like more money than God, right? Yep. Yep. And we see these like recurring concerns, complaints, questions, like, and, and, and the underlying thing is, you know, where can I get help, right? You know, why do you think that is where employees don't know how to access the, the mental health resources when I, I'm sure they exist? And what kind of benefits do you offer that might be kind of like a, a, a standard for these companies? Yeah, I think it's hard for employees if it's not normalized to talk about it, right? So if you are not engaging in that conversation, that sort of first step that I mentioned, employees aren't going to feel comfortable to be like, oh, hey, like I'm, I'm having some stressful issues. Do you have any support in terms of stress management or substance abuse programs, anything like that, even, you know, caregiving help? any of those pieces, right? If you're not able to provide a safe environment for your employee to talk about it, they're not going to bring it up, right? So then they're going to try and solve it themselves. And they might not know, they might not have access, right? A lot of it is education-based. So it's about talking about it and getting it out there. And also we as leaders need to exhibit what we want to see from our employees. And if they're not getting that, they can come forward a little bit easier, right? So when I think about Alma, one thing I talk about a lot is the idea that therapy is so common and normal here at Alma. So you can see on anybody's calendar, any level, any team, therapy, 30 to 60 minutes, any day of the week, right? That is so normal. So imagine that indication for a new hire. You're coming in, you're looking at people's calendars, you're trying to schedule something, and you see that your VP of growth has therapy. Wow, incredible. Not only can I now do that, not only is it acceptable, but it's kind of celebrated, right? And it's encouraged. And so there are pieces and ways that we need to model behavior for our people to feel comfortable to ask us for help and ask us questions, right? That is really critical to be able to open that up and to give those resources to everybody. Again, you have to have them. And if you don't, you need to engage so that you can get them. Um, but I think that's really critical. And at Alma, I mean, we do a lot of that, right? As I mentioned, it is so common to see, hey, therapy, or I need to leave early for therapy, anything like that. Very common. Um, we have a couple of different programs that are specifically aimed at allowing to give, uh, allowing people to have that mental health care um, access. So one, you can use the Alma platform. Um, if you're an Alma employee. Two, we have a mental health care stipend. So it is 
monthly and it's $1,400 a year. And that is for you to use towards any sessions or co-pays for therapy. It's incredibly important for us. We reimburse you that. On top of that, one of the things that we thought about when we were creating our sort of benefits package was how do we look at our employee as a whole person inside and outside of work so that we can support them, right? And how do we make sure that our mission of, you know, giving access to a quality mental health care is achieved for our team as well? So we have that mental health care stipend, and then we also have a wellness stipend. And the reason why this was born was because we knew that just having therapy was not the definition of wellness for our teams, right? Our teams define it very differently. What works for one person and helps them achieve their mental health and wellness is not the same for somebody else. So we also have a $1,400 uh, stipend for our teams. It's monthly as well to, to do anything that you consider wellness, massages, manicures, you want to take a class, you want to buy a book, we don't care. If that's how you define wellness, we are going to give you that monthly stipend for you to spend on that, right? I think that is, is very important, right, to have that flexibility. Um, and then when I think about our caregivers, right, our parental leave, that is one of the most critical hard times of your life transitioning in and out of that. So last year, we were able to expand our benefit there, and we increased our uh, leave for our primary caregivers to 16 weeks, fully paid. Um, and then we also partnered with Parentally. I don't know if you've heard of them. They are an incredible company, and they truly partner with you, or your employee, excuse me, to transition in and out of leave right? So one of the biggest things with new parents is that they don't know what their career, what's going to happen to their job when they're gone. What are they going to miss? How are they going to prepare their teams? How are they going to come back and even get back in the headspace? Parentally has a phenomenal supportive program that partners with you for that transition, partners with your employees. So we brought that on. And then I will say this year, we were able to get rid of primary and secondary caregiver. So now any employee that's a parent, doesn't matter who you are in that relationship, you are able to get up to 16 weeks fully paid for leave to help welcome and take care and support your new one and yourself. Um, so we've done we've done quite a bit of work there, I think. That's great. Can you, yeah, can, can you walk us through kind of the yeah. thought process behind each of these stipends and perks mm -hmm. and benefits? Did they come from employee requests or is this something that, you know, you all wanted to do always? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a mix of both, right? So first of all, one of the biggest pieces um, that we are driven by with myself, my boss, Chris Davis, who's the CFO is, are we listening to our team? And are we providing what they need while we are balancing the business, right? And the cost of it all. So mental health, right, as I mentioned, aligns with our mission, increasing um, affordable mental health care. So we knew we wanted to be able to supplement mental health care for people. So that's why that mental health stipend, the reimbursement was um, born and given. And then the wellness piece was truly because we knew the definition of mental wellness or mental health was not just therapy. People need more than that, but we don't know what that is, right? We don't know how you're defining that. We don't know for you what that looks like. And so we said, let's give the flexibility. And the way to do that is just to give the money and say, hey, you spend that, right? Again, we're balancing budgets. It's something that we will look at every year as we scale, but it's something we really find important and critical to offer to our team so that they can take care of themselves, again, in and outside of work. And yes, we heard from our team always, right? We always hear from our team. We want, you know, more access. Is there any way to supplement? Like, how can you help? Always. Um, and we always want to try and do it as much as we can. And then with leave, it really was about, yes, hearing from the team and also what's happening in the industry, right? I think for all of these things, we're kind of benchmarking against what the rest of the industry is doing, what are like uh, companies our size, what companies in the infotech space and the mental health space are doing. Um, and when we looked at our, our leave policy for new parents originally, we weren't great. Um, we were pretty traditional, kind of like 12 
12 months, uh, excuse me, 12 weeks off, um, had to be here for a year. And so we really knew that we wanted to be more inclusive with that. Um, and so change that as well. Again, hearing from the team, looking at what's happening in the industry and making those decisions. And Danielle, just to understand, th these, are, these are what you offer internally with your company. Correct. Do you also have a B2B type of business model that you offer similar benefits to other corporations or for the other corporations, it's more the mental health and connecting with mental health providers? Right. So for us, this is for our internal right. employees, all my employees. Yeah. Our therapists that are using our platform, that's not something, right? They're not our employees. So that's <clears throat> not something that we're providing them. And I'm curious, are you finding a difference in terms of the generations when it comes to putting therapy on their calendars and talking mm -hmm. about it? Do you find like baby boomers or maybe Gen X is more reluctant to do that? than Gen Z's millennials, or it's across the board that people are comfortable talking about mental health issues now? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. I don't know that I've actually intentionally looked at that. I will say, I think our workforce skews a little bit younger anyway. So I do think it's everywhere, but I don't think we have a very large population of what you, you know, would consider people who are in that sort of like 50, 60, 70 age range. So while we do have some, I think there is some calendaring there, but we don't have a big enough sample size for me to say, I can, I can define a difference or, or answer that really with authority. Yeah. Rick, do you find out on blind on the, on your platform, do people generally talk about the mental health issues and emotional well-being? And if so, do you find also, is there a difference in the ages? Yeah, so the blind community tends to skew a bit more older uh, just to begin with. So I, I believe it's more than half are 28 and older. And mental health is quickly becoming one of the most popular topics mm -hmm. discussed on blind. Interesting. Um, you know. You, you see all of, you know, it's it's funny. I like to uh, kind of make the reference of like, oh, like stay away from like the tech news headlines because it's very easy to get caught up in like, oh, well, this company raised a billion dollars, a hundred million dollars. Why is it my company doing that, right? And, and people don't realize, well, uh, tech news it's, it's almost like social media, right? You only post the photos where you're looking incredibly fabulous, right? And it, it, it's, it's the extremes, right? Because that's what is newsworthy. And now when people are seeing layoffs, hiring freezes, the economy is going to go bad. Are we going to have a recession? Uh, total rewards really, are down, right? Your stocks it, are down, your exactly. RSUs are down. And, and, and you freak out, right? Because you used to be flying high. You used to think like, oh, this industry is unstoppable. Um, I'm going to keep getting paid $500,000 a year. Um, and, and now you're, you're not, right? And, and, oh, and so wow. we're seeing a lot of folks saying, hey, the older folks on the platform, what have you done? Have you seen this before? Right? Wait, wait, when you say older, I'm just curious. What what is older? What what do you uh, like the, the, you... the 40 plus folks? 40, okay. Yeah. So so not necessarily older in like the traditional sense, right, right. but older in the uh tech industry it's blind tech. sense. Mm -hmm. Um and we're seeing folks say, Hey, you know, you work at Amazon or you work at Goldman. Um, I used to work there. Here are the exact programs and how to get the best use of it. Yeah. Uh, like literally some people write like step-by-step, step, like go, go to this person, go to this team, say yeah. this. Um, there are some folks that, you know, are concerned about, let's say uh, you're, you're on a visa, right? And mm -hmm. You're, you're thinking, oh gosh, you know, if, if I get laid off, you have, what is it? I think it's like 60 days to find another job and that time pressure, it, it's, it's very, very difficult. Right. And it just adds on to an already stressful time. Mm -hmm. And so we have other folks that are on these like immigrant work visas that are, are sharing the exact advice and like the tips of like visa friendly companies and, um, it, it, it is 
much more like recent i would say in the last like six to 12 months these posts have become quite more common Mm. um i actually we part line partnered with alma uh to collaborate on some mental health research um this past summer uh and we found that what is it 59 percent of professionals do not believe their employer supports their mental health right and and so they're they have to go on blind to uh figure out how to navigate this right And, and how to actually like supplement uh when they feel that you know, they have no resources or they feel that uh, their mental health is poor. Wow. That's, you know, it's a little sad to hear, but I also am, what I'm also hearing is loving that idea of the community that's coming together and supporting each other, right? That's pretty incredible. I, I think that is something that people often forget, right? They think mental health necessarily has to be expensive or necessarily has to be like a big thing that you go out and do and you go and seek out but uh it, it's almost like it builds up right there's different kind of elements that you could tap into it seems like alma has figured it out right where the wellness benefit it could be something as simple as getting a massage or you can use this separate you know mental health benefit and block off therapy during your work hours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there really is kind of a spectrum and you, you need both obviously, right? Or, mm-hmm. or according to Alma, your benefits. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's about that flexibility, right? We're all unique. We are trying to be equitable in what we offer, but each person is unique and each person has different needs, different backgrounds, family life, right? Different struggles. And so after talking to your team and understanding what they need, trying to formulate a bit of a I don't, it's almost like a puzzle, right? That you're trying to put together in care or support for them and hoping that it it really hits everybody um, or at least the majority of everybody when with what you're providing. So Danielle, how does it work? So let's say, you know, I'm, I'm going through some kind of crisis and I want to speak to somebody. Do mm-hmm. I just go on your site or your platform and seek out, you know, a mental health provider, a therapist, a psychologist to see, you know, who I feel maybe is comfortable with or how does it work? Yeah. And so are you just talking about anybody externally, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly what you would do. You would come to the site um, and you would, we have a lot of great functioning tools to help you narrow down. Do you want somebody who is part of your identity in a way that you are, right? Like maybe you're a firstborn from immigrants, right? Maybe you want somebody who is part of the LGBTQ community um, or part of your ethnic or racial group. So you can come online, search for therapists. We have great search tools and then narrow down who looks good to you based on their profile and what they have written. Also your ability to accept their ability to, excuse me, to accept insurance, right? So that's also what we wanna give you. And then their availability as well for you to be able to book an appointment, book a consultation and feel out, are they the right person for you, right? So you would request that consultation, they'll reach back out to you and then you'll set up that time to kind of kick off that process. Right? And would, would these be online sessions or in person? So uh, majority online, but yes, you can do some in person as well. There is an option for that. And this is not a fair question to ask because everybody is an individual, but ballpark, what kind of costs would somebody have to pay to go and have, you know, one, two, however kind of therapy sessions they want? Yeah, I mean, so right, big part of our offering is the affordability piece and our insurance programs that we have, right? And so for us, having uh, the ability to take insurance is incredibly important and critical. And so just, again, ballparking, not a fair question. Right. Don't overly quote me on this, but your co-pays, if you're taking insurance, right, can range. And they can range from like 30 to 60, 70 maybe dollars. Per, per session, mm-hmm. which is very reasonable. And do most people, I don't even know my own insurance. Like, does that, do, is that standard to cover that? It varies. Or? It varies. Yeah, it varies. So you definitely want to check out with your insurance. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's not bad at all. I, I think yeah. that's one thing that I often forget, right? That, you know, you have this like health benefit and you just think it's like the big stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
but it, it it's really like more comprehensive and and complete than 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 I expected, right? It, it includes mental health. It includes um, all of these other things that you don't necessarily think about. Like I would need to go to a hospital for this, right? Mm-hmm. In, in some cases, you can make benefit of your benefits uh, without stepping into a hospital. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Again, kind of that idea of like offering a a big picture, a holistic picture, if you will, for people so that they can take care of the different needs that they have. Right. We all have different things. We all have different issues and struggles. So yeah, exactly. Kind of uh, what you're saying there, Rick. We, Rick and I just spoke to back to back a couple of people who they were championing that instead of a one size fits all, you know, remote, you know, hybrid, in-office, other benefits that to customize it based on the individual needs of the people. And that's a better way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Rick and I were kind of commenting that it's interesting, you know, coming out of the pandemic, it was really very black and white. Here's, you know, what it is, remote, it's in-office. It's very just right, one size fits all. But somebody might need want therapy. So like, all right, that would be important to them. It might not be important for them to, I don't know, have a Starbucks call, you know, you know, for, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know yeah. gift card for Starbucks right. or whatever. But <laughs> it might be more important. Hey, I would want that feature because that's something is really key to my, you know, feeling better about myself and improving. And I'll be even better at work because now I'm going to, you know, deal with some, you know, maybe you know, trauma issues, what have you. So uh, it's interesting that that that's that by offering that, I think that's a nice add-on for a lot of companies to have, especially with insurance. That's very reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know, to let you know, when we originally came up with the the stipend, right, um, the basically fourteen hundred dollars a year is around one hundred and twenty dollars a month. And that was born of understanding that the insurance that we were providing at the time is a thirty about a thirty dollar copay. So four sessions in a month, 120 bucks, right? So our team having access to our insurance and our benefits, then our therapists that take our insurance, that's how we sort of Mm -hmm. built out the uh, idea around that programming. And then I think you brought up something really great there around like what benefits and also this idea of customizing. I think we're finding right with the generations, what sort of our parents did. It was that one one, you know, dental, right. Healthcare, dental, you know, vacation time, PTO pretty much. Okay. That was, you know, okay, you're done. You're good. That's it. (laughs) And then silence, be happy with that. Work hard, work to work and don't say anything. And that's it. And this, the newer, newer, younger generations are coming in and saying that doesn't actually work for me. Right. That doesn't actually fit what I need. I need something a little bit different. Those aren't my challenges, right? As you diversify your team, you're going to find that different communities and different people need different things. And that really is what you're talking about. And what we are trying to do is to kind of have something where we balance the budget, right? Balance the business, make sure it's scalable and affordable, but really take care of our team and all their different identities and be a little more customizable. What I'm a little worried for you is that when you have an economy that's contracting mm-hmm. and there are layoffs, hiring freezes, belt tightening, is this one of the things that companies may drop and say, hey, mental health, well, yeah, we will we'll spout all the right words that mental health is important. But now when we have budgetary concerns, we're mm-hmm. going to maybe not have that you know, as an option any longer. Is that something to be concerned about? Or is that one of the things that's like sacrosanct, you know, you know, companies won't get rid of that once they yeah. have it. I think honestly, it's it's a hard question to answer, right? Yeah. And we definitely don't have any plans for that. But part of that idea of, as I'm mentioning, sort of like balancing the budget and scalability with our offerings is really important, right? And so for us, it is something that we would want to hold on to until we really could not anymore, right? But we also are smart about it. You know, you mentioned... Um, Maybe like, I don't want that Starbucks. Well, listen, you aren't getting stipends for free lunches, right? You aren't getting a lot of the material swag and all this different stuff. You're not going to, we're not feeding you dinners, nothing like that. Where we're putting our dollars and our benefits is really aimed at that idea of access to care, mental health, and wellness. 
right? And so that's where we funnel them in the hopes that like, if we do need to pull back in the future, right? Those other pieces that we aren't spending money on, we're putting our money here. This would be one of the last things to go and hopefully it never has to, right? But as always, we will always balance the business and the budget with our humans and try and be as human first as possible. You know, I, I'm curious when you when you talked about these two separate budgets, it, it, it strikes me as like quite unique. Are, are there other kind of unique mental health benefits or practices or, or trends that you're aware of from the employer side that, you know, they're offering their employees? Yeah. Um, so I think like, I think, you know, mental health care companies tend to offer a little bit more, but if I'm talking, if I'm speaking to what I think is kind of trending, I right. would say... Uh, the conversation starting to enter into the workplace a little bit more is trending. We still have a long way to go, but I think I'm seeing that more in the industry. And then I also think a little bit more about the partnerships, right? Employees having external partnerships to kind of work with people in their mental health. Um, I'm seeing that as more offerings are coming through from whether it's, you know, your benefits broker, your PO, whoever that is that you're working with. So seeing those partnerships come through, I think are a little bit more common. But right now, I wouldn't say, I think, I think we are a little bit, we are unique in what we're doing. Um, and for us, that's just, that's just really important and aligned with our mission and our CEO, our CFO, our leadership team feel very strongly about those. I'm curious, like, is it making it easier for you to recruit? Like, are you recruiting a different profile of employee based on kind of this, like people first, like wellness first? Um, approach that you have to kind of your employee experience? Yeah. Um, well, I can't fully speak to the recruiting side, the director of recruiting, Daniel Grove, he's phenomenal. He could definitely speak to this, but what I will tell you is that we have people and you're seeing this, I think um, with this newest generation is that are want to be connected to the mission and vision, right. And values and right. ours are about mental health and wellness. So we do attract people that it's top of mind. They're in line with these things. They're having the conversations. And I'll say, I hear all the time because I, I do a lot of interviewing for Alma, right? Like people are blown away and surprised. I was as well, that you're having a conversation about mental health, potentially in the interview process, right? People are opening up about it because when you talk about our mission, you honestly are, are probably connected. I mean, it's part of the reason I joined, right? That I, I heard that in my interview process and I couldn't believe it. So yes, I think they kind of go hand in hand, right? Yes, we're attracting that, but these are people who are also very aware of mental health or want to be at a company that is. You know, I, I don't know if this is, uh, if, if you have any advice for this, Jack, but, you know, I, I was always told or, or coached, like, oh, during the, the interview process, you don't really want to get too, like, personal and into those details. Like, are, are, are you seeing that trend um, change? Like, are, are, are people just generally feeling more comfortable to to open up about kind of the struggles that they might be going through or the needs that they have? That's a good question. And, and Daniel, he's asking because I, I run an executive search firm. Sorry. So, you know, kind of always interviewing people, speaking to, yeah. you know, you know, hiring managers more, I'd say more so with on both sides, actually, from the hiring managers and the candidates. I, I didn't think about it till you just asked me this, Rick, but yeah, it does seem people are more open about how they feel about things, what they really want, you know, what they're looking for in a career, not just the dollars. It used to be just the money. It really was, especially the folk, our, our focus is more Wall Street related, you know, professionals. So it was really similar to like what Rick is saying with blind, with, with the tech side, very money driven, but it is changing now. It's like, you know, vacation time, time off, you know, work-life balance, remote, hybrid, flexibility, you know, when you, you know, to come in when you want to come in and not come in when you don't want to come in. So these things are being brought up, but they definitely were not pre-COVID without a doubt. Before pre-COVID, you didn't know, like, I don't recall anyone ever talking about mental health um, or burnout or emotional well-being or anything that we're talking about now, but it's definitely, definitely a topic that comes up a lot on both sides of the equation, uh, on, on, on the equation, hiring managers too, they're, they're concerned for themselves. 
because they're worried. You know, they're worried about holding on to their jobs. They're worried about, do I make the wrong hire and it's going to backfire me? So people are much more comfortable having those conversations for sure. And I'll tell you this, this is really interesting. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, far, I'm definitely far over 40. So I guess that's the old age, Rick. But uh, like <laughs> growing up, like seriously, I don't, I can't recall any question, like any kind of conversations people would have about mental health, emotional well-being in the office at all, mm-hmm. at all, Same. you know? I mean, you would hear from time to time, hey, this guy looks up or she looks like she's burnt out and just whatever, but not anything of substance at all. It was just like, what? it's so weird. It just wasn't talked about. It wasn't a thing. And to, to me, it blows my mind coming out of the pandemic, we became so important. And I can't tell you how many pieces I've written about it because there's so many companies that were really trying to get in front of it because I think some wanted to jump on the bandwagon, but a lot of them really felt, hey, I'm wor- we're worried about our, our team. We're worried about our employees. They just went through a horrific two year plus for the pandemic, even coming out of it. And now with all the uncertainty, World War III, you know, you know, all the issues. So there's so much more, which is great. There's so much more attention being paid. Which is which is wonderful, and it but it's to me is jarring because the same way for their listeners, we were talking before the conversation when we went live about where Danielle is living and where I live, and and saying like how the neighborhood where I grew up it was so terrible, and now it's wonderful, and it's just so amazing how you see things change over time, and I'm seeing the same arc where people are really talking about it and really talking seriously about it. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think about that as well. When I was recruiting, we never had these conversations. And even when I was on the people side at Birchbox pre-COVID, right, we weren't having a lot of conversations around people's mental health or what benefits or mental health stipends or anything like that, right? Granted, I'm at a mental health care company now, but the conversation, Jack, to your point, has truly just exponentially yeah and how horrible is it if you have if you're a person right turn back the clock a little bit and you do have issues and you have to just kind of hide it mm-hmm. you know what i mean you, you talk about like bring yourself your authentic self to work your true self to work and then you have people who might be uh what is it neurodiverse or mm-hmm. what have you and they have to kind of not be themselves or hide it or sublimate it and that gotta be brutal just trying to kind of balance it and try to be like everybody else when you're not feeling like everybody else. But now you can. So it has to be so uplifting for so many people to be able to talk about things now. Yeah. You can get a more engaged human, right? Somebody who's a little bit more connected. And if you're able to support them, able to support that whole person, right? Like mental health care is a basic human right. If we underestimate it, it, everybody suffers from that, right? Everybody. So if we bring it to the forefront, if we talk about it, if we support it, just as we would with somebody who has diabetes, cancer, whatever that is, right? They're able to come to work. They're able to be engaged. They're able to have the opportunities and really contribute to the company that they're getting something from, right? Yeah, it's not wild. You know, you could say, hey, I broke my arm. It was, oh, you broke your arm. Oh, feel better. But if you say, hey, I'm depressed. Even now, it's like, oh, uh. Okay, uh, walk it off. Uh, (laughs) Don't be depressed. Uh, You know, stop being depressed. Be happy. It's it's still even now. It's still awkward. It's still a little awkward, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a little harder to manage, right? The mental health side because it's not a regimented sort of put yourself in a cast for this many weeks, take these drugs, blah, blah, and you're fixed, right? There is so much more behind it. There's so much more that we're learning and there's so much more ambiguity and gray, but I think we really, you have to balance. You have to try and balance the care and support you can provide, right? With what the person needs and what they're giving to to the work in the company. Let me ask you, Rick, Rick, Danielle, tell me if I'm crazy with this thought process. To me, my own opinion, right? My opinion is that it seems the one of the biggest, if not the biggest issue in our country is a mental health issue. Because look what happened with Pelosi. Put it, and let's put aside like who, like we always inject politics and put all that aside. It seems clear the guy in his underwear with a hammer that has some mental health issues. 
you know? And it's weird, that kind of stuff we don't talk about or how many times in San Francisco, in Bushwick, you know, in, in any big city, you see these homeless people who clearly have mental health issues and no one is supporting them. And what do they do? They, 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 they do violence, they're aggressive. They're not, they're not happy doing that, they're not in control. And we just ignore it like it's not there. Well, look at social media, how everyone just attacks each other. It's just not, it's, you know what I mean? It seems like we just have one big mental health issue and we're ignoring it. Think about all the school shooters. Whenever you look at them and you hear their background, and you dig deep, they had significant issue problems, you know, and we gloss over it. So I don't know, how, how does that get solved? Do you have any idea? Or do you think I'm wrong? It's not as bad as I'm making out to be. No, I, I wonder if it was a, a stigma issue, right? Like the reason I asked you, yes. Jack, like, are, are, do you see a, a change in people bringing it up during interviews? You know, I was always told like, hey, don't don't talk about like these things that might make you seem unattractive or weird during the interview process. You don't want to do anything that might harm your process, you know, your ability to to get that job. And I wonder if there's some kind of like societal stigma against mental health, right? Like, oh, those people are different. And, and so I don't want to deal with it. Maybe it's someone else's problem. And, you know, if everyone else says like, hey, it's someone else's problem, it, it becomes no one's problem, but that person's own. And that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot to deal with as a, as a single person when you're when you're actually going through mental health, right? It's it's mental health now plus, 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 plus social pressure, plus peer pressure, plus top-down leadership pressure if you're in kind of like a hierarchical, like culture, like a workplace, right? And it, it's a big burden. And, and sometimes when you're going through that, I, I imagine it must be just easier to say, you know what, I, I, I give up. I'm just not going to deal with it. And you know, it, it's almost like any other medical problem, I imagine, right? Where if you don't treat it, you allow it to get worse. And I feel like we as a society have just allowed things to get worse, right? Like we're not even putting band-aids on things. No. We're just trying to put our head under the sand, right? And say, oh no, I, I let it, please let it be someone else's problem or not today, right? And Oh my gosh, it just compounds, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm pretty aligned with both of you. I think we have such a stigma around mental health. I think this newest generation, right? Like they are fighting that. They are saying unacceptable. Yes, we'll talk about it. We will bring it to the forefront. It is real. Just because you can't see me with a broken arm or bleeding does not mean I'm not suffering in a very real way. And so I am hopeful that change is coming, but I agree right now that we have swept it under the rug. We haven't talked about it. We don't have the resources. We don't have the healthcare systems. We don't have so much that we need. And that is such a big reason. It's it's the mission of Alma, right? To increase that access. Because when you give people that therapy, when you let people start talking, when you let people start working through their trauma and their illnesses, they will get better, right? But they have to be able to afford it. They have to be able to access it, right? And it's not just a one size fits all. So I think, I think, yeah, really align with what you're both kind of talking about here. And, you know, obviously I work at Alma for a reason and this is a big piece of it. Well, I, I, I really appreciate you kind of like walking through how Alma works because we're just like us having this discussion really destigmatizes, right? It, it says like how like everyone, even my boss blocks out their like, you know, time for therapy or, oh, wow. You know, when you were mentioning the different price ballparks, oh, that, that, that's actually not too bad. And then when you mentioned that, you know, some or, or many insurance plans actually cover mental health sessions or that you can just go online and it's a quick kind of directory search, like all of these things make it sound like, oh, that, you know, it, it's not as complicated or as difficult you know, perhaps I should give it a shot, right? Or perhaps it's not as, you know, resource time intensive as, you know, you would think, you know, like generally, I think most people 
tend to think of mental health as something that's like very exotic or something that only rich people do or something that's out of reach. But, you know, when you put all of these things together, oh, I, I could do that, right? That, that's the kind of uh, takeaway that I have. Yeah. Yep. And I think one of the hardest parts is just getting yourself to acknowledge and admit if you're one of those people that you might need that, right? And then start that process and like shout out to therapists and therapy. That work is hard. What they do is incredible. I will say sometimes you have to, it's a little like dating. You got to go through a few therapists, right? You got to try a couple of them to understand. That's an interesting point. I didn't think about that. So that's, that's common. You go and you don't kind of vibe with somebody. So you're like, hmm, I don't want to give it up, but let me try somebody different. Absolutely. No joke. When I started, Alma was the first time I had ever received mental health therapy. I'd never done it before. I said my, you know, my family was not one that talked about this stuff. Um, I think I had six or seven consults with people um, to try and find the right therapist for me. Um, Because some people are really, you can hit it right off the bat. You get lucky. That's the right person. And then sometimes you're just not flowing. You're not vibing. And so you, you want to try somebody different and there's nothing wrong with that, right? It is part of the process. How did it work for you, if you don't mind my asking? Was it helpful? Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it was a it was a big barrier for me because I have you know decades of being told this is not a thing to do and we don't talk about it. Um, so <laughs> right. I had to I had to get out of that. I had to yeah. get from uh, away from that. But then, no, it has been an incredible journey for me. And and honestly, I've I have grown as a person. I am a better human today because I am in therapy. Right. That's fascinating. I, I I really love that kind of takeaway. You know, I I'd love to like while I have you, you're 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 kind of the the, the closest we have to a to a mental health expert right now. Oh goodness, I don't think you should call. Um, <laughs> but I I mean, you know, earlier I mentioned like we are going through a really challenging time right now. Just the world, right? It's you see the news and you see the headlines of, oh my gosh, there's, there's this incident in uh, Korea. There's, there's a war in Europe, um, you know, within closer to home, like in terms of career life, uh, lay off this, hiring, freeze that. Like, do you have any recommendations for employees who just feel stressed out about layoffs or their jobs or, you know, yeah. now there's quiet layoffs where, your boss ignores you or, or or makes things really strict to kind of push you out under the performance review program. Mm-hmm. Like that's a lot to take. Do you have kind of advice for the professional there? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, first of all, I appreciate this question because it's so relevant right now, right? It really <laughs> is. I, I talk about this with people outside of my community, the HR, you know, people and culture community all the time. So um, I think there's a couple of things. I think the first thing is if you are in an environment and have a manager where you can have a conversation about it, you should try, right? So you should say like, hey, listen, this is the macro environment. Can we chat? How do we feel about the safety and security of our business and even potentially my job, right? I understand that won't land for everybody, number one. Number two, some people might actually get in trouble, right? So don't don't go through that process if that's not something that you don't feel you can engage in with your manager, right? Outside of that, I think, where is all the, why is there all this stress? There's so much uncertainty. There's so much you're not controlling. So refocus and think about what you can control and know that your career is in your hands. It's in your control. What can you focus on right now, right? So maybe you had the conversation, it didn't go well, or maybe you just didn't have the conversation at all, right? But you're kind of getting a sense and a vibe, maybe some writings on the wall, whatever. I would say, take a look at your resume. Let's beef that back up. Make sure it is ready to go. Who are you connected to, right? Who do you know? Where have you, what, what companies do you like? And what companies are actually hiring right now? This doesn't mean run out the door, right? But this means what's the pre-work you can do to set yourself up? Because you don't have to be completely reactive once that thing happens, right? Let's talk about some proactivity to give you a sense of control so that you know, right? Okay, I'm unsure. 
Maybe I have a paycheck for the next 12 months. Maybe I have it for the next 12 days, right? Or a few weeks. What can you do in this time to take some control and be prepared for if something happens, right? So again, take a look at that resume. What are you interested in? What are you passionate about? What roles are out there? Start looking, right? And really acknowledge that this might be a thing that's going to happen. If you sweep it under the rug, just like with mental health, that's going to blow up later, right? So take control of what you can now and sort of do that pre-work. And again, if you, if you have the ability and it's, it's, you know, quite a luxury to be able to have that conversation with your boss, have it. And, and, and if you don't have that luxury, is, is there somewhere else that you can kind of turn to if not your manager, if not HR? Then... <laughs> I mean, I think, do you have mentors, right? Do you have other people in the industry? Do you have former bosses? Do you have Jacks and Ricks of the world who are doing incredible podcasts, who have been recruiting for years, right? That can give you a little bit of a sense of where should I go? What should I look at? And honestly, so much of it is having that first conversation. Unburden yourself from that idea that like, it could happen. Okay, let's talk about what happens if it does. And talk about people that you know have been successful or or have navigated that before. I have navigated layoffs before, right? Anybody who would want to come to me and talk to me about that, I would be happy to anybody who's in my network and world, whatever, right? And I'm sure you all would do the same for people that reached out to you, right? Whether you worked with them, whether they are somebody like a coworker's friend or, or relative, right? And so who can you have the conversation with? Take a look at that. That's going to help as well, right? And then the control piece, what can you control? Well, you know, you maybe think of this, Danielle, with layoffs, if let's say you're a certain level, they'll give you access to recruiters to help out or third parties that could kind of help you transition and what to do for a new job. But to my knowledge, I, I don't think there's any mental health help when you have a layoff. Like, look what's going on with Twitter. And it's clear. And put aside, again, personalities and all that kind of stuff. But it seems what you're seeing online, a lot of the workers there are really trouble. They're really, they don't, you know, they're in a really weird space. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it be great if they were offered, whether it's a severance package or whatever it is, but to get some mental health, <laughs> you know what I mean? Even before you're being let go, because they've been kind of dangling, you're going to be let go for now for a long period of time, maybe to interject and maybe that's a kind of business line for you, Danielle. And Rick and I kind of just get a piece of it though for coming, coming up with it. But to like, so when you do have like these mass layoffs or even individual layoffs to mm -hmm. give access to say, okay, here's somebody you could speak with and you could process it. Because I will tell you this, like Rick, you asked about like, you know, with interview, I will tell you is when people kind of lose their jobs, oftentimes, even if it is not their fault, they feel I did something wrong what's wrong with me? Why me? Why did it happen to me? And then they kind of go downwards, thinking of all the bad things that happened to them in their life. And now this is just another bad thing. So you get this kind of loss of self-esteem and loss of confidence. And then when you're going, this kind of, kind of answers the questions you asked before too. You could feel that when a person's interviewing and they lost their confidence and self-esteem in an interview process, you could smell it, you could feel it, and it's really uncomfortable and it's really awkward. And you almost want to give that person a hug and say, it's okay, let's just talk. Don't worry about what happened you know, in the past. Let's just talk about now and the future. And it does, it does have a really, if, if you're interviewing and you have that person who's carrying that baggage around compared to someone not, the one who doesn't, even if the one who doesn't have the baggage isn't as good as the one with the baggage, they'll go with the other person because they just kind of, they're a little freaked out. That's a big, that's, that's, to me, I see that so often, so often. So yeah, like, I think that would be, I, I don't know, have you ever heard of like people offering help for layoffs in that? Cause that would probably be a great service. I mean, not in the mental health space, but I yeah. think phenomenal. I would, I mean, I would right? love that. I've been part of, you know, rounds of layoffs and what, what do we offer the team? Yeah. The recruiting services, right? The connections. It's, exactly. The That's what you focus on the transactional, yeah. right? The transactional yes. let's do, let, we got to act, let's do something, let's do something. Yes. But meanwhile, they're effed up in there. You know, they're mentally effed up and hurting. Yes. So it's like, you're not paying attention to that part, but that part's really mission critical. 
because because you could give all the tips, right? All the networking tips yeah. in the world, all the things, what you should do on LinkedIn, all the things you should do in networking. But if you're not feeling your best self and you're feeling really depressed, it ain't going to help. It's just, it's, it's, it's just, you're not going to come across well. Yeah. It's a brilliant point. I, I think that's great. It's, I hope I never have to plan for them again, but yeah. if I do, uh, that's something to definitely consider. Brilliant. This whole, this feels like a whole therapy session. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind right? of like, <laughs> we're talking it out. We're getting real and raw. Really I love it. Right. <laughs> well, I, I have to end with one question. You know, like everything that you walk through of what Amla's doing sounds great. Um, are, are you hiring right now? Like, what what is that process like? We are so hiring. Okay. We are hiring. <laughs> Please check out our website. We are hiring um, amazing, good humans. We have uh, a very structured interview process, which is incredible, decreases any sort of bias. Um, and we are hiring across all of our teams. So I definitely would love to encourage anybody who's listening to check out our website and apply. Um, we have a phenomenal recruiting team that does a ton of work. They look at every single resume, right? And we are getting tons and tons of applicants. So the process is, like I said, structured. They are incredibly communicative, um, but it is a great time to be looking at Alma for a role. Well, yeah, and it's only going to go up in demand, right? Just mm -hmm. people need mental health, right? If that's the takeaway from yeah. uh, you, you get from this episode, it, it, it seems like Alma is the, the right way to do it. So, so thanks so much for coming on the show, Danielle. Thank you, thank Rick. You. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. This is such a great combo. That's it for the Blind Ambition. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five star rating and a review, and don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.